Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello, welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Podcast, the first show of the post-World Cup 2018 era. Owen here with Murph Hiker. Hello, Owen. It's a brave new world. <laughs> what, are really we, what are we going to talk about? The GA, hopefully. The GA mostly today. Excellent. Yeah. Bit of athletics. Going to hold that off until tomorrow, though. Ken is travelling home from Russia at the moment. That's mm-hmm. why you won't hear his voice on the podcast. Stephen Barrett got in touch to say, I reckon Ken should have to interrail his way home just so we can hear what scrapes he gets himself into. Funny you should mention that, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> It's good news. Well, Ken hasn't taken the interrail option. He is currently going through yet another awkward scrape. Uh, I got locked in the toilet. Yeah, along those lines. I hope he doesn't because he definitely will miss the flight if that's the case. Mm. Latest tweet from the airport in Moscow reads, The scene at... Oh, I should have read this in advance. Sheremetyevo is like the worst mix zone of all time. French players coming through, so departures block for everyone else. The players stop as much as they do in a normal mix zone, but as you wait, you are gradually missing your flight home. Ah, oh, so to make his flight, this raised the possibility to make his flight, Ken is going to have to walk up to Kylian Mbappe, mm. tap him on the shoulder, and say, "Sorry, mate, got a plane to catch." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, I love it. Uh, so, provided he makes it home by the end of the week, we might be able to get some further update from Ken. Oh, absolutely. What a World Cup it has been for our esteemed... Interrailing would be fun, though. Like We should have sent him in. We've missed a, we've missed a beat there. Mm. Should have sent him in to Reading. What a World Cup it has been for our esteemed football correspondent. What I thought was a seat was, in fact, a bunk. Top bunk, coffin-shaped. I was like, I do hope they turn the air conditioning on in this train. I'm sweating quite profusely. There was a sort of an old Russian woman in the bunk underneath mine, kind of grabbing at me, like, to get out of the bed. No, yet, 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 yet. She went to sort of the little service area of the carriage and came back with, like, a little packet of sheets. Fresh and clean. Yeah. And, oh... So good next to the skin, Owen. So good next to the skin, Owen. I said, oh, spasiba, spasiba. 
Babushka. I tried to take the sheets. She's like, no, no, I have none of it. Started putting the sheets on the bed for me. I was like trying to help. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was just lying on that sort of sticky, musty mattress thing. But it turns out that they give you like a whole pack of sheets that you can spread out. Fresh and clean. Yeah. And, oh. So good next to the skin, you know. Slept almost all the way to Moscow. So good next to the skin, you know. What a nice way to pass six hours in the train that was. <laughs> That's the kind of tactical insight you've been getting into Russia 2018 if you've been on the World Service. Ken will be back with a full account, no doubt, of his run-in with the France squad later in the week. He can sign up on secondcaptains.com for a fiver a month. Ken, by the way, maybe I'm stealing his thunder here, but apparently he said yet to the laughing gas. Mm. He never took it. He threatened to take it. He thought once he got some support, people, a couple of other fellow journalists to hold mm. him up. Yep. Hold him upright. He As might he collapsed. He might give it a yep. shot, but he decided just not collapsing on laughing gas in the first place is probably the best way to get through his adventure in Russia. Maybe at the airport. You know, maybe this, this delay is <laughs> If what... he misses his flight, he's definitely going to be hitting it up. <laughs> <laughs> himself himself and Kylian never... Mbappe hitting up a bit of laughing gas together is how Listen, I want that sounds like some top quality internet hashtag content. Huh? Yes, yes. Did he see Scooby there? Who knows? Today's show features Michael Dignan later on an epic win for Limerick against Kilkenny, their first since 1973. Unbelievable match. No one unbelievable puts, summer. No one puts hurling in the corner. Not even the World Cup final. No. And certainly not crappy old Super 8s. Well, speaking of that, Murph, Oshin and Mike yeah. are coming up on the crappy old Super 8s. Jamspud blames you for it. What? Me? The Super 8s, despite the high from the likes of second captains, have fallen flat. The championship needs the drama and impetus of last chance saloon eliminators, not the phony war, league rehash, that this weekend's offerings had. It certainly hasn't captured public imagination anyway. Hashtag mediocre eights. Hashtag GAA. Well, it sounds to me like that was uh, directed at all of us on, not just me. Mm-hmm. I think you're scapegoating me now. So you've hyped up this new concept. Turns out it doesn't work. Mm. No? Well... Let's wait till at least next week, Or I mean, I think that's probably fair. I mean, many people would say, let's see, let's wait until the end of the very first iteration of the Super 8s. Uh, I, I'm as impatient as the next... Well, not quite as impatient as Jam <laughs> Jam's Spud here. there. Yeah. Not, not but, a patient person. Uh, at the same time, I, I'm definitely prepared to give it one more, <laughs> one more weekend. Uh, well, see, the whole thing is, it wasn't great this weekend. It would have been nice for at least one of the games to have been entertaining. I was going to say even remotely entertaining. Sure there was some entertainment there for, for most people. Oh, it's a wonderful game what we are playing here. <laughs> yeah. See, if we could all just be a bit more like... What the GA needs is more free thinkers like Lothar okay. Matthias. Um, no, it was. It was we, we didn't get anything like the fireworks we were expecting, but Hope Springs Eternal, d- the dubs in Oma, Kerry and Clonus. Come on, Owen, come on. The Super 8s are up and running, albeit running a little bit slowly. <laughs> More Olivier Giroud than Kylian Mbappe. Oshin, how are you? Morning, all. Mike, I presume you're not in great form today, but you're with us, all right? I'm with you. That's about right. Okay, that's good to hear. Okay, hammering in one of the games. The Dubs possession footballing the life out of Donegal towards the end of the game. Monin Gildare was, was, was pretty good, I suppose, um, but a pretty terrible go-away carry game. Not a, not exactly an uplifting start to this Super 8 concept. No, and you would definitely wouldn't have got it uh, in, in any way left it had you been in Crow Park yesterday, who's absolutely dead as a doornail. Mm. Um, even the Seagulls didn't bother yesterday. Why so, why so dead? And these are 
Top counties going against each other. Because 30,000 into an 82,000 seater stadium just doesn't, just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. There was a real lack of atmosphere. There was 15 to 20 people there from Kerry, you know, for the second game. So it was predominantly, uh, you know, Galway supporters. There was a lot from Monaghan and Kildare, to be fair. But uh, I mean, the attendance is one thing, right? But at no stage was there actually 30,000 people in the ground because, yeah. you know, a good proportion of people said, we've come to support our own team, now we're going to watch the World Cup final. So, and then Gold and Kerry people might have come in maybe for the second half of Kildare yeah, Monday. It's often an issue with doubleheaders anyway. That yeah. yeah. You don't get that amount of people. But the other thing is, it's very difficult to get involved, really involved in a Gaelic football match. No. Really, really difficult to get involved from a crowd point of view. It was very like uh, Cassidy made the second game very, very stop start. Uh, when at times there was no need for it, and um, the Cork Tyrone game last week was refereed by Morris Deegan. This was refereed by Cassidy. They are pernickety referees who. In the in this day and age, if you watch a, a referee, uh, a game referee by David Goff, there is an opportunity for for you know a bit of uh, well a tackle first of all, um, and you know a little bit of play to develop before you know the whistle. Cassidy looked a bit afraid of the game, you know, for the size of the game, he looked a little bit afraid of it, and there was no there was no flow to the game whatsoever, and therefore. That's what leaves it dead. Supporters just don't have an opportunity to get involved. Mike, the whole concept isn't wiped out, though, just because of a poor opening weekend, is it? The whole Super 8's concept. No, no, no. And I mean, geez, if we're, if we're resorting to blaming the referee for yesterday's debacle, we're really, we're really struggling. Like, like it, it, the, atmosphere, the atmosphere is also brought about by what they're looking at. And, and, and what we were looking at was absolutely just pathetic stuff, you know. And I mean, Galway, fair enough, they'll take the credit they won the game. But Galway really only played marginally better than, than Kerry did yesterday. And, and like, I brought my, it was my, my, I brought my two kids to the game yesterday. It was their first time going to a game in Croke Park. And we've done the tour and all that stuff. Jesus, after about 15 minutes, they were kind of going, can we go home? You know, this, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was that kind of a game. Like, I, I, I remark in the, like, the, there was one of the stewards down in front of me. This was just as the game was about to start. And he, you know, those metal gates that they have from the stand to the, mm. to the pitch. And he opened one for somebody that was walking down out of the stand. And the metal, the metal latch kind of banged off the gate. And the sound just kind of started reverberating around the stadium, like like there was no, like it was empty, like there was nobody there. And this was about two minutes before the start of the game, and you know it was just like it was that kind of deadness. And then, and the players just kind of fed off that, and and you know the surface when it comes to that little bit of drizzle when it gets slippery, the whole thing just culminated into into this complete non-event that that you were just wishing was over before it even you know that final whistle. Yeah, uh, one of the perks of being a World Service member is that you can just walk up to me and ask me to ask my Kirk questions. I don't know if all of our World <laughs> Service members actually know that. Happens on a daily basis, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so uh, a guy came up to me last night, Kerry fan, uh, after the game, who asked me to ask you, when was the last time Kerry won on a wet day in Crow Park? And the, this is a two-part question, because the second part added by me. How can, of all places, Kerry have a problem with playing in the rain? But, I mean, it did actually appear as if the conditions, the wetness of the ball, the wetness of the ground, completely nullified any footballing ability that we thought this Kerry team had. 
Well, well, the answer to the first one is probably 2008. Against Galway. Well, certainly in Croke Park against Galway in one of the greatest football games that was ever played. But I think Kerry put up 121 the same day and Galway had like 116 or 170. Like, unbelievable game of football. Um, but that was obviously a different team to, to the team that you've there now. And, and what's there now, obviously, with Kerry, you could see the physicality of Galway came to the fore as well yesterday. And it wasn't a rain that beat, beat Kerry, obviously. But, but for both teams, it also just... It, it takes the football out of it as well a little bit when that when that ball hits the surface and it just takes off on you. But the physicality, even Cook when he came on yesterday, these are are, are, are big human beings and the and the Kerry boys at times were just brushed aside by the by the physicality and the size of the Galway players. But uh, look, I, yeah, it's just from Kerry's from Kerry's point of view, it's, it was. It, it was a kind of a confirmation of where we were during the National League. You know, you had a National League campaign where you had some really good performances and then you had really poor performances. And then you started the, the Munster Championship against two bad Division Two teams that you, you that you beat comfortably. And, and this was your first really, really big challenge. And, and we've been saying it all year that we don't really know where this Kerry team are at. And I think this is probably a fair reflection. They're not anywhere near as good as they were against Clare or, or, or Cork. And probably aren't as bad as they were yesterday. It's it's this up and down thing that that leaves them with some game coming up next next weekend above in Clonus. Mm. Ushin, I know obviously a lot of people were very critical of the game, and the game was terrible. But I would say that this was less a systems based disaster and more just terrible skills execution by by both by by both sets of teams at, yeah, at stages. I mean, Galway's some of the wides Galway kicked in the first half were just. Both Shocking, teams, yeah. Both, yeah. But both then teams. Kerry kind of took over as well uh, in that respect. It was just a very low level of skill on show yesterday, more so than anything else. Like Kerry's first passing, you know, was yeah. absolutely horrendous. I've never seen a Kerry team like that before. Um, Kerry's kickouts weren't very good. I was really impressed with Lavelle and goals. I thought he was absolutely yeah. exceptional, in particular in the first half. Galway have a, have a have a plan for kickouts, right? And it's not a master plan. If it's not on and he can't pick somebody out, they take four the four biggest players um, to the, either the right hand side of the pitch or the left hand side, and they put it up. And they won the majority, and whether it was clean or whether it was a break break ball. So what they do is they're basically uh, bringing numbers into an area, sticking it, he sticks it up in the air, and uh, invariably they come down with most of them. Uh, they they are obviously accepting that they're going to lose, but the one thing they're not going to do, Galway, is they're not going to isolate somebody, put it up one on one, and then for the lose the kick out and get done on the break. Because the the remarkable thing about both of those games yesterday was that. See, when Monaghan are set mm-hmm. uh, and they're in the formation, very, very difficult for Kildare to get round them. Galway, something similar. Even though Galway probably yesterday, I didn't think, got back in as many numbers or as quickly as at times as probably they had intended to. But that's Crow Park. It's a, it's a much greater area um, to control and to, um, and to you know to keep um, carry along the along the lanes, um, like. I thought thought Galway showed a little bit more ambition yesterday than uh, Kerry, believe it or not. Um, I think even like they put Declan Coyne on David Clifford. I didn't see that match up ever before the game. I didn't think that was ever going to happen. I thought Coyne doing really well on him, even though Clifford had kicked a couple of points. But I know if I'm the opposition manager, I'm thinking he's kicked a couple of points. I'm <laughs> I'm 
I'm happy with that. He hasn't destroyed us in the first. Yeah, he got to go. Got to go at the end, but I suppose yeah. he's gone by that stage. But uh, and then, but they obviously weren't happy with that. They switched Sean Andy O'Kelly over on him, then you know, and then Coyne started to do a lot of damage coming the other way. So uh, I, th- I was surprised at the change. I don't know what Mike thinks, but uh, you know, Kieran Donaghy not to appear on the field. It's I thought that was a, that was a really really strange one if he's not injured. Darren O'Sullivan not to make some sort of appearance. Like yesterday, it was I thought crying out in the last you know fifteen twenty minutes for a little bit of experience for somebody to to grab the game to you know to control the possession. Kerry got very little out of the midfielders yesterday. Didn't look as mobile you know obviously as they did against uh, Cork. against Cork. Yeah. What about that, Mike? The old the old dogs didn't appear. Yeah, it was just, it was bewildering. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, I was thinking at the time, he must be carrying a knock or he must, you know, be injured. But, I, I you know, I read something this morning where for Fitzy confirmed that he wasn't injured and he was available. Now, obviously, Killian Young's uh, sending off probably impacted on, on what they were planning on doing and, and the fact that Kerry were down to 14 men and maybe he felt that the mobility, he needed to have guys with legs around the place. But, I mean, if you look at just the impacts of the, of the bench yesterday, I mean, like Varley comes off the Galway bench and gets two massive scores. You know they come on. Who, who's who got the goal actually? Um, oh, Patrick Sweeney, yeah. Sweeney comes on and gets a goal. You know Cook comes onto the midfield after a really bad injury, obviously for Paul Conroy, and and makes a big impact. And and like Galway were the ones, you know, in that final quarter where where they had impact on the bench. And you were looking at Donny saying. Donny rotated Galway at full back uh, full back line last year in the same game in Croke Park. And surely to God, with 15 minutes to go, you're saying, OK, look, we're, we're not scoring anyway. We might as well try and change it. Even before the sending off, put him in there and start pumping in a bit of ball and see if something comes. It was just really strange not to use him. And uh, like I watched the game back at it this morning again and, and they showed a couple of shots of him. He did not look like a happy camper sitting down unused. <laughs> what about the dubs, Oshin? Um, they, I suppose they got the job done and then they killed the game off late on, not to everybody's tastes. Uh, no, not, not to really to everybody's taste. And I look at there's no like just watching the game. I'd love to see them kick on and you know and and show us some of their skills. But I've said this now for some time. Uh, Jim Gavin and Dublin, they're not into in the entertainment business, and uh, it's like an act of defiance. That's the way. That's the best way I can describe it. So if you come and you want to play defensive football, well then I tell you what, we'll go five points up and we'll kill we'll, we'll kill the game. <laughs> you think so? It's I think so. I think, I th- yeah, and I think it is. I think it is, and they've done that. I, I mentioned to you a couple of times uh, about going back way back to the Derry game they played on their lights in the league, and on a, in horrendous mm. conditions, and Dublin won the game, the most comfortable four point victory that. You, you would ever see but it was also an act of defiance because uh, Derry had everybody behind the ball and then Dublin retaliated with everybody behind the ball except for they had the, the ability to get scores um, so they're playing well within the rules um, but it, I think it is I think it's a it's like a two finger salute and saying you know if he's want to come and you keep want to you know, want to pl- keep playing like that I was very disappointed with Donegal uh, on very disappointed with Donegal to completely change and go back to what they what they played the weekend. And is that what they did? Do you think they did? They did. They uh, abandoned they, their attacking uh, they, principles. Yeah, they did. Did change big time. And and you know the, the reaction even of the players and you just look back to it just looked like a fucking tr- a, dr- a dr- real drudge, a real trudge to you know to get through the game. And, and the uh, Gooch was right last night. What he said about about Murphy. Murphy absolutely wasted in and. 
uh, in where he was. Even like you talk about putting Kieran Donaghy on the edge of the square for ten or fifteen minutes, not to put, not to put Murphy in there for you know for five minutes and shake them up a wee bit because Dublin looked a couple of the high balls that went in Dublin looked a little bit unsure of themselves. But but that's not even the point on. The, the point was that Murphy wasn't doing anything in the area that he was in, and surely they've seen that after 20 minutes and should have put him in. It's very difficult for... Like, I watch Murphy, and his athleticism is unbelievable, unless he was, you know, again, carrying something or, or not 100%, but he's normally up and down that field. It's it's a lot more difficult, and people don't realise it's a lot more difficult in Crow Park to cover at those same areas, to get those same tackles in. Um, did definitely should have put him on the edge of the square for you know for maybe 10 minutes first half 10 minutes second half uh, Mike Dublin were were pretty sloppy at times though I mean if you're if you're looking at it, Brian Howard and Nas Gully were their two best players I would have thought uh, Conor Callaghan looks really short on confidence like nothing much from Dean Rock from play not a lot from Kieran Kilkenny I mean like they they did create a couple of one-on-ones for sure and the Dunny goalkeeper did well uh, with those but, you know, like, are there signs there that Dublin are not quite what they were the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I didn't think I didn't think Dublin, I, I think Jim Gavin would be fuming with that kind of that kind of a sloppy performance. It was it was like they had Donegal at arm's reach all day and and they knew, you know, that they probably weren't going to get beat. But that and again, it just seeps into the kind of psyche and it's very difficult. But it's unlike Dublin, <clears throat> excuse me, because they normally they normally are able to get past that and and be ruthless with teams that are inferior to them. And and they weren't, you know, they weren't able to do that. And it was it was strange, even right up to the last. And it was like around the stadium when they started booing with that last. You know, you, you're talking about the last five or ten minutes when Dublin started playing keep ball, and it was obviously directed at Dublin because they were just knocking around the middle of the pitch. And you're saying, looking at Donegal and Paddy McGrath is still standing back at the edge of the D with six minutes to go and you're down four or five points as an extra man or extra defender. And then it became Eamon McGee. And you're saying, lads, there's no point booing Dublin here. You might as well start aiming this at Donegal. Well, and, and, were they thinking about points difference, do you think, at that stage? Because this, this, could, come, so. this could come into play if, if, if they're the level case, with other it's teams. Not, it's not great to look at, but it, it's nothing to do with Dublin. I mean, if you want that to stop happening, stop playing Paddy McGrath as an extra man when you're four or five down and, and push out the field. And I'm not sure. I, I, it was just, it was really strange and really odd to do. And, and were they thinking ahead? Of, I don't know. I'm, I, it just made no sense to me the way, the way they were continuing to do that all the way off the edge of the cliff, you know? Yeah, Dublin go to Oma on Saturday, Oshin, and Tyrone looked pretty well set. I know we're always talking about Tyrone as one of these teams who, who can who can look good in patches and in the last few years haven't been able to do it. This is the, the moment. Then. This is the moment for this, this Tyrone th- th- this team. Is a chance, There's an entire generation of Tyrone footballers who have to see the opportunity now you know no I, I agree I just don't know I don't I'm not 100% convinced they're up to it yeah you know this is the, like Mickey Mickey Hart said after the game the acid test would be you know uh, Dublin Healy Park I think the dubs when you're playing like that and you're winning the games comfortably um, and you're going for you know another All-Ireland and you're thinking you know they're looking for extra motivation Surely this Dublin team this week has to be saying, listen, lads, they're all questioning us. You know, they're all wondering if we can go outside Crow Park and put in a big performance. Yeah, so, I'd say it's what they want. I'd say it's an ideal fixture for them. Yeah, for Dublin I think in some so. Ways. I think so too. And I think, uh, you know, Torona oh, facing into a mammoth one next week. A, a mammoth they one. They were good though. I mean, they were Throne close. were good, yeah. They were, limited yeah, they were, they, they were good and, and 424 is certainly serious scoring, but I still think that 
it's a completely different game next week. Obviously, I just think that the, what they're meeting next week is it is a team is a Dublin team that are now motivated. You know, they're going to be they're going to be arriving motivated, not dead behind the A's from the fact that they're winning every game by twenty <laughs> points. You know, so uh, that makes it a, a clinker of a game. And if Tyrone can step it up a bit, then we're in for some occasion. Yeah, you, you're going up on. Well, I'm planning to. Yeah, I have to badge you for a couple of tickets first. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no problem there. But what I want you to do, on right, I want you to go to that match. I want you to stay somewhere overnight, mm-hmm. where I don't know anywhere, Emmy Vale or somewhere in a B and B. And I want Coke. you to go to Clonus right the following day. Right, I want you to take in the Paragon, okay. the busted sofa. Okay, <laughs> I want you to get a burger and a curry chip on the way home. This sounds like I a want, hectic week. I want weekend. you to empty the contents of your stomach around Ashbourne on the way <laughs> on the way home. And go home and tell your wife you've started to live. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just intending to go up for the for the match and drive back down. But. Hell no! I, the tickets come with uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, conditions. Though. They're actually ticket packages that include all. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I it like steals it, yeah. your experience. Yeah, uh, no, you should. You should though. You t- like that's two brilliant games. Yeah. Two brilliant games of the uh, the weekend. Kerry fighting for a life and Clonus. And like I, I agree with Mike. I think. We built they were, no. They were built up maybe a little bit too much after the Cork game. There was a bit of a frenzy about how good Kerry were, but I also don't think they're as bad as they were yesterday. So yeah. that leaves it for to be a crack. We should game. be sending Mike up to Clonus as well, then, if that's the case as well. Mike's going. Mike, I'm sure. Are, are you going to Clonus, Mike? Jeez, I, I was. I was before. I didn't realize those <laughs> conditions were everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I might have to rethink my plans. Yeah, you're. You're apparently you have to empty the contents of your stomach <laughs> some, somewhere in the Midlands, which is I unfortunate. I hadn't factored that into the whole weekend. <laughs> you know. But uh, like uh, that is it as well. You know that that this thing does take off next week. You know. Uh, Putting the game on around the, like on at the same time as the World Cup final. I mean, like, what kind of test of character is this? Like test of Gaeldom, you know, <laughs> that you have to turn up to a, a double header to watch uh, to ensure that you miss out in the World Cup final. I mean, there's no point making a big deal about it because, God, like the the GA's true uh, vocation in life is giving you things to give out about. I mean, yeah, like I was there, I celebrated Galway's win, but like at the same time. Literally everyone around me was checking their phone to see what the score of the work. You never thought he'd be this grumpy, Mike, after beating Kerry in the championship, <laughs> would you? There's strange kind of satisfaction out of it, though. I, I, <laughs> I must say, but you know what it does do? I, I think it, it really reaffirms, and I know we, we love doing this, but it reaffirms that those games have no no point being played in in Croke Park at that stage. Yeah, you know, yeah. like if you had those games in different you know provincial locations around the place, neutral locations, whatever you want to wherever you want to put them, you're just the, the 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 crowd is just going to develop more of an atmosphere in a smaller ground, and it's just lost in Croke Park. And and while it's a it's a great you know joy to play in Croke Park, not for those games. Like there's no thrill in playing in front of you know twenty odd thousand people in in front of a, an empty stadium. It, it it just takes from the game and put it on somewhere smaller. And, and the whole thing would be a bigger occasion. Yeah, fair shout, I think. Thanks, Mike. Thanks very much. Thank you, Wishing. Thanks, Will. No bother. He's stealing yards. He's stealing yards. He needs to get back. Get back. Who's going to be the man? Stephen Carson. Tom Carson. No, Tom. Oh. It's going straight to Kerry. Higgins now for Mayo. Comes back with Durkin. Good score, Paddy. Bring your fire! Fair play, Mia! Paddy Durkin! Paddy Durkin! The Mayo support are off their feet! We're level once more here at Croke Park! It's Kerry 2-14! Mayo 2-0!
14. There's a minute, just over a minute left. Load up, Brad, load up. We need to win this kick out. Come on, Come now. on now, come on. It's Kerry 214, Mayo 214. Kelly with kick out. Who's going to win it? Who's going to be the man? See Go on, Carson. Tom Carson. Oh, it's going straight to Kerry Man, number six now, tying Morley. That's with number eight, David Ford. Ford to Sheehan has just done it. A mailman's gone tight. No, it's a free for Kerry. A free for Kerry about 50 metres out. Oh, oh, this is heartbreaking. It's a free from Kerry right in the middle of the pitch. He's after taking, he should be going back further. He has stolen a yard or two. Watch him. Yeah. He's stealing yards, he's stealing yards, he needs to get back, get back! We played five minutes, which has been a lot of injury time. Kerry 214, Mayo 214, Kerry to win it with Brian Sheehan. Sheehan, he oh, goes, yes, go, wide, go, go wide, keep go wide, go wide, go wide. Is it going out? No, Mayo man gets it, it's still in play. That's it, there, time. It's all over. Full time. It's all over, we're oh, going to have to do it all over God. again. What a game. What an absolute thriller. And credit to both sets of players. Credited them for the effort they gave, for the passion they put into it, for the football they played, for the actual sportsmanship that was there, for the actual scores that they got. That game had everything that you want to see except a Mayo win. The busted sofa. Yeah. Paragon. Yeah. yeah, if, yeah if the you the names of these places the, unnerve me, Murph. If you haven't walked up the hill in Clonus on, you haven't lived. Well, I mean, I hate to break the ocean, but I'm not walking up the hill in Clonus this time. Is, no, there, a hi- is, there, a, is there a hill in Oma? If you're taking those tickets I'm going as far as Oma, Oma and that's you're that. going to Clonus and that's it. But I'm also going with friends, you know. Well, these friends are family. if they're I, real I, I, friends, I, yeah. on, if they're real friends, they'll stick with we'll stick a week? by you. No, just take two days. Mm. I mean, it's one overnight in Northern Ireland. How, like how, uh, how bad do you think this could possibly be? <laughs> oh, what the hell was that? That was the Gardner Street fracas. Ah, here on leave it out. Oh yeah, that was the Dubs on tour. Next, I come on. I, Simon, Northern... I just know Simon's delighted with himself over there. I just had no idea what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Northern Ireland is not that bad. And on you, why don't you dip your toe? It's I mean, not that it's, bad. It's great. I'm not saying it's. it's you not can that even bad. stay at this side of the border. I mean, if you're getting that bad about, it. I mean, the second game is on in Clonus. Yeah. If you if you want it, if you want. I, it. I mean, it's it's a I whole know, different. How do I ever go to two? Games over a weekend. Even, well, even down south. I was going to say Dublin often played a double header, but if you're a Dublin fan, like a lot of other Dublin fans, that is that means you're still only. Probably Let's explore this game. more later in the week. Let's explore what it means to travel to the Cronus, culture shock to Oma to these yeah. kind of places. I yeah. feel I feel we need to. This is what the World Service is for: devoting time to this kind of thing. Ushin set us on the right path there. Yes, I think we but can do a little bit more later in the week. Let's let's walk a mile in someone's shoes on someone who's done it before. Let's do that. Modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians. And as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. Michael Dignan, I've noticed a habit of GA people, particularly hurling people, I think, always feeling the need to compare their games favourably to the World Cup. I've no idea why this happens. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a tired, tired old cliche. That said... Limerick Kenny was unequivocally the best sporting event of the weekend. Do you agree? I do. Um, <laughs> I was just funny enough thinking about that before you rang me there. I, thought, I said, you want to say something to me about the, the Super 8s or about football and hurling? But I, I actually don't do that. I like a good game of football or soccer or rugby. But um, look, hurling is, I suppose, as hurling snobs would say, when it's played like it was yesterday, um, look, very hard to beat. Like, what a game. Uh, conditions were poor. Um, 
we had this strange thing called rain, which we, we hadn't seen <laughs> for so long. And uh, just the commitment from both sets of players, uh, the speed of the game, um, some of the hits were savage and some of the scores were just incredible. And um, we probably saw one of the best goalkeeping displays that I've ever seen anyway from, from Owen Murphy. And I suppose that set the agenda. Look, there was mistakes as well, which you will have in a game like that. Um, there was very few frees, which... I think a good few questions have been asked about that as well, um, but it probably added to the whole occasion. So overall, um, just a fantastic match. It struck me that Limerick were definitely the better team and deserving winners, but you mentioned Owen Murphy's display in goals for Kilkenny, and there were times in typical Kilkenny fashion, Richie Hogan steps up and gets a goal laid on. There, there were moments there where Limerick were properly tested, and there were excuses maybe to let that game drift away from them, as they might have done in previous years, but it didn't happen. Yeah, it, you know, it was a strange game in that respect. If you look at, I suppose, the ebb and flow of it, like Kilkenny started very well, which, you know, having, it was their third week in a row, it was, you know, t- talk about fatigue or whatever, but they came out of the blocks very quick. Then Limerick settled and dominated the second half of the first half and went in leading um, by a couple of points. And then kind of a strange start to the second half, very slow start. And Kilkenny were all over them then. And he, it, Kilkenny had seven wides in the first 14 minutes of the second half, which is so unlike them. When they had a chance, like we've seen so many times over the years, Kilkenny come out just after half time and to put away the opposition. That's happened time and time and time again. And they really had a chance there to go three, four, five points up and they didn't take it. And then Kilkenny, or Limerick settled again and played some great hurling. And I thought the crucial score of the game, uh, you mentioned there, Richie Hogan got a great goal, brilliant ball by John Donnelly, great vision. And from the puck out, Tom Morrissey, who had a fantastic game for Limerick, caught the puck out and put it over the bar, and they, and they got the next two scores as well. And that was, to me, the new Limerick. That was the, the, the baggage of the past was shaken off. These young lads said, and yes, I don't know if you saw Tom Morrissey's interview after the match where he just said, look, we're our own team, we'll, we'll make our own sort of history. Yeah, he spoke, he spoke really well, actually. I thought it was very good. He did speak really well, yeah. But, and... and, and and you know, but I thought that score was just massive, not just in terms of of the game, but I think in terms of that this Limerick team have arrived on the stage. And look, it, it says it off for Kilkenny that they had to do that to still beat them. And uh, I think Kilkenny would be disappointed. And and you have to say there looked to be a blatant foul on John Donnelly. It wasn't given. The ball went up the field, and um, uh, who was it? Peter Casey scored um, a brilliant score from out, and it was a two point swing there. And you know, I think if Don, if Kilkenny had scored that point and gone a couple up at that stage. Um, they possibly could have gone on and won it. But look, that's the way Hurling ebbs and flows. And I'd agree with you, over the hour or the 75 or six minutes, I thought Limerick were the better team. And But for Owen Murphy's heroics, really, you know, they, they would have won it more comfortably. Yeah, it's, it's interesting watching Kilkenny over the last kind of 12 months or so. They went out in the championship to Waterford last year, obviously in a game that Waterford had wrapped up and then were forced extra time. Gola beat them in a Leinster final and exercised a few of their demons last week. Limerick go and exercised their demons of 73 and all that yesterday. For all the like the brilliant, defiant hurling that Kilkenny have given us, piece by piece, teams are beating them. And, you know, teams are nearly using Kilkenny now as, like, a massive psychological step for themselves and using it nearly as a springboard for their own seasons. Like, that even though Kilkenny are no longer a great team... It's still this huge thing to to beat them in the championship, and it's still a, a massive, massive moment for Watford, for Galway, even as All Ireland champions, and now for Limerick as well in the last twelve months. Yeah, I think you're you've, you've nailed. That's probably in the history of the GAA of hurling. Um, you know, they are the Arctic. I know Cork and Tip are mentioned, but like the 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 recent tradition of hurling is all around Kilkenny. Um, you know, and even going back to my time. Beating Kilkenny was your yardstick. If you bet Kilkenny, you weren't going to be too far away from winning All Ireland or being there thereabouts. And 
And in many ways, you know, I, I said at the start of this year that I didn't see this Kilkenny team winning in Ireland under Brian Cody. Uh, or, you know, this team under, under Cody. I didn't say that I'd win another one under Brian Cody. I was, I was kind of misquoted in that. But, you know, what they've done, like I didn't see give them any chance this year because of all the players that are gone and these lads, they, didn't, they, they hadn't gone well at, at under 21 level for the last couple of years. And you didn't see these players coming through. And, and you know, I don't think any other county could have done what Kilkenny did this year. To be so competitive with such, you know, a, a new team and limited resources. Um, and really where they got caught out at the end of the day was, you know, their forward line normally so good. All their forwards to get a few points. And if you look at their scoring spread yesterday, like Martin Cohn, who's a great young lad, he's only a young player, great worker, Billy Ryan, Pat Ling, did come in from the start. None of them scored, you know, um, and sort of TJ got one point from play. Richie Hogan missed a couple of chances, but he got one, three. Richie Lahey got four. But the, normally you'd be expecting a bit more, you know, a point or two from all their starting forwards. And they missed chances from play and they were under that little bit of pressure in the back line. Like you're filling in with Parley Walsh's fullback, who has been very good at times, but he's not really a fullback. And Paddy Deegan was a midfielder with back corner back and Killian Buckley's a wing back at centre back. So they were spreading their resources all over the place. And eventually the day was going to come that they were going to be caught, but they didn't go down without a massive fight. And the loss of Walter Walsh was probably massive yesterday as well because he was another big big game player missing. So look, um, Limerick nineteen seventy three since the Beth Kilkenny and Championship hurling like that is some weight off their shoulders and it'll be interesting to see where they go from that. And um, and we saw as you say Galway getting confidence from being, you know from being able to be Kilkenny not that often, but a, a win we get over Kilkenny is worth a lot more than just a win. It's it, it does give the whole panel and the county I think the the supporters a massive boost. Yeah, they have got Cork waiting for them, though. And I suppose everyone's just hoping for something similar to what we saw earlier in the summer. Yeah, um, we have a little bit of time to draw our breath now because like, it's been an absolutely phenomenal hurling championship. And, you know, you're trying to judge matches and you have to take into account, look, teams had played like Limerick against Clare. Limerick looked so poor that day. But in now you look back and say, but should the match they knew they were going to be true anyway and it was their third week in a row and they didn't show their hand and all so like it's really only when you get into these knockout matches now that you're really seeing teams and when the pressure comes on and look Cork we've seen the good and bad of Cork we've seen the good and bad of most counties I think during the championship and that's been the beauty of it because they've had so many matches it's hard to just keep that top level performance so it'll be interesting to see now Cork with a few weeks off like their second half against Clare in the Munster final was phenomenal uh, but the first half was terrible so you know it's, so it depends really on the day who shows up uh, Cork look to have look a very very mobile forward to have a very mobile forward line but there's a few question marks being asked about their backs and you know Limerick uh, we were asking questions about their full back line before yesterday they, they came up trumps and 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 another uh, 10 different scores and played or four, all their six forwards started starting were brilliant and then they were able to bring on uh, Peter Casey and Shane Dowland who scored three points between them as well so massive strength and depth there as well so look it, it's a it's I, I, I'm certainly going to need another week and it to start trying to make up my mind about that one and have a look a closer look at it but uh, fantastic it'll probably be easier to make your mind up I guess about Galway Clare Clare are obviously impressive against am I am I writing them off a bit too quickly here they're impressive against Wexford but do they have enough to challenge Galway um, I think they're improving all the time I have to say um, they're big players uh, you know I'm talking about Shane O'Donnell and Tony Kelly and Podge Collins and uh, David McInerney and are all they just look to be gaining in confidence every time they go out now and um, you know that's the second half against Cork aside which is in the is, it's in the history books now but you know what we've been saying all the time is we're we're kind of doubting their back line 
um, all the time and you saw Cork expose them in the Munster final but like McInerney was back to his brilliant best he didn't have a good day on Pat Horgan the last day in the Munster final um, but I think their half-back line Shane O'Morley's pace Conor Cleary uh, very imposing figure at centre-back and particularly Jamie Shannon I think he was hurling out of his skin at left half-back and he be, wouldn't be a player that that's what that well known on the national stage but he's playing really well for Clare so I think they've improved at the back and I think from midfield up they're very very strong so and I think what a factor here as well is is that it's Galway and Clare their neighbours you know it does come into it and Clare won't have that psychological fear that you, you spoke about that Kilkenny have to strangle all over teams and I, you know that does come into play as well that Clare will say to themselves we've nothing to fear from Galway they'll run at them we know the strengths of Galway their physical power uh, you know, up front in particular um, and they will cause problems and they are going to be hard to beat but I do think that Clare are on an upward curve and particularly you know, as I said the form of Tony Kelly uh, and, and O'Donnell and Podge Collins these were the lads that were only kids in, to, in 2013 like they're still really very young men they're only 24 years of age all those lads they have a mountain of hurling done um, but you know they're they're shaping really well and the management team are low key and there's a lot to like about the way Clare are going but Galway you know, I haven't seen anything to change my mind that Galway are still um, hot favourites for the All-Ireland. Yeah, I think uh, most, most people would agree at this stage. Michael, brilliant stuff. Thanks a million. All right, lads. Cheers. Never forget the true nature of this city. Listen, you screwheads. Here's a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the dogs, the filth. Here is someone who stood up. And this bike, by the way, I'd only had for two weeks. What happened to it? Dublin happened to it. Dublin has kicked the shit out of the bike. There was a few minutes when I blithely believed that I lived in a civilised city. I arrived home. It was already dark. There was rain and mud everywhere. Oh my God, this town! So I thought to myself, no need to drag my bike through the house, given that all I'm doing is, you know, getting changed and getting my stuff and going to the pool. So I'll just leave it here beside the front door. Not on the street. I was in the house for probably for eight to ten minutes. What the bag? I said, I don't know. I haven't put a bag in ages. Just give me some. And there's nobody on the street. And it's dark. And there's not even any foot traffic. Open the door. Bike's gone. Oh my God, this town. It's actually been taken from outside my front door in an eight-minute period of being unguarded. And this bike, by the way, I'd only had for two weeks. This bike was given to me by my brother. Oh, my God, this town. And I'm thinking, why? What happened to it? Dublin happened to it. Never forget the true nature of this city. If you listened to the show last week, you would have heard a very good insight from Dervil O'Rourke into the new wave of medal-winning young Irish athletic talent. And they're at it again over the last few days mm. the world under 20s it's an illness on. it's an <laughs> actual illness of which we, as a nation we've fallen foul we're going to follow up on this on the world service tomorrow I love the variety of events that we're winning at now it's middle distance sprints relays mm. high jump What's unbelievable remember the, the 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 dawn of the Olympic age we, we for some reason had like this amazing record in like Events that required jump. Wasn't there something like the Lepin Leprechauns or something, some oh, ridiculous yeah. uh, ethnic stereotype that we had fallen foul of? I thought you were t- I want talking to about Victor Coslo at the shop put there for No, 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 no. We, we need to get Flying back to the, all of the Lepping events. Yeah. Any event that requires Lepping. We, <laughs> we were once kings and queens of the world and we can again. I'm having a buzz floating around. Anyone wants to not give me a shell. Yeah. Thanks, Murph. 
Thanks, Owen. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again on the World Service if you're signed up. If not, we'll talk to you next Monday. Take care. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys.